Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Somebody, get you some facts right here. Get you some facts. Hello and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. My name is Corey O'Flanagan and I am your host as always. And this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered how that concert you saw was designed before you ever went to see it? All the songs and sounds and lights and etc, etc, they were all planned well before you saw the show. Well, today I am joined by Laura Escude who wears many hats, including certified music technology trainer, classically trained violinist, and live show designer. Laura has designed shows for people from all over the music world, such as Herbie Hancock and Kanye West. Today, she teaches us about what show design is, how it works, and how she ended up playing violin on a Kanye West Jay-Z track, and also how her life on the road burnt her out and got her to create her Transmute Retreat, which is a place for music industry people to go, take a break from the fast-paced lifestyle, and learn about some of the other aspects of the music industry. I really, really enjoyed learning about all these different aspects, and I hope that you do too. So please give a big warm welcome to Laura Escude. All right, well, we're with Laura Escude, and Laura, thank you so much for coming on the Song Facts podcast. How are you today? So amazing. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, it sounds like you've got a little bit of a lineup of people that you're talking to. Hopefully, I'm maybe the last today. Yes. Yeah, you are, actually. It's always nice, though. It's not too late in the day, so still have energy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're, what I was reading, and you know, Wikipedia is always 100% correct, so we're going to stick with it. But <laughs> I'm, I'm currently living about an hour away from where it sounds like you grew up. I'm in Santa Rosa Beach, just down the beach from Pensacola. Oh, no way. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was born in Pensacola, but I didn't live there very long. I was there for the first few years of my life. But then I came back for college and went to Florida State, which is also not that far from you. Oh, so you were in Tallahassee. I was. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Okay. So you're somewhat familiar with these beautiful beaches then? Oh, my gosh. Very familiar. Yeah. yeah. I love the beaches there. Good. Um, all right. So I want to get right into it because we were already just kind of talking about how you do something within the music industry that I think 
I think it's hard for me to put into words, right? Because it's something that we all, if you go to a show, you see and you witness and you feel and hear and everything, but you don't really think about the design aspect of who creatively put this show together. Like, you know, the songs, you know, the artists and all that, but there's so many more things going on. So um, you're many things. Um, but one of those is a certified music technology trainer and live show designer. And I'd, I'd like to start out with the live show design. What, in, what all does that entail? Well, so as you mentioned, I do wear a lot of hats. Uh, <laughs> people are like, what? What, do you, what exactly do you do? I'm like, well, I'm all things music. I'm an artist. I create music. I work with other artists. So um, in a nutshell, when I'm working with other artists on their shows, I'm helping to create the music, edit the music for a live performance. Um, essentially, it's like producing music for a live experience, taking all of the stems and music that they created in the studio and then turning it into a live performance so that involves messing with all the different layers of the the music taking certain things in or out taking lead vocals out if the, there's a singer and they're singing that live um maybe taking background vocals out because there's background vocals vocals on stage maybe taking the bass out if there's a bass player on stage so essentially just tailoring every performance to taste depending on who's on stage what's needed what's being performed as we call it in the box, which is in the computer, what's being performed live, any different vocal effect types, auto tune, that yeah. kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, making uh, remixes of songs. Sometimes artists get tired of hearing the same song uh, year after year. It's their big hit and they want to make that like a reggae version <laughs> of it or a rock version of it. So I get to, to do that. And sometimes they decide that they want to add some sound effects and you know, like animal sounds or airplane sounds. They wanted to go around the audience's head in a weird way, you know? So like anything that the artist or the musical director uh, dreams up, I basically make happen. Interesting. So is it a combination of happening live, like being in the moment while the show is going on and then a lot of stuff happening pre-show or is it all pre-planned? So uh, it's a combination, but mostly the the backing tracks are pre-planned because it's really hard to kind of edit those yeah. right in the middle of the show. So, but we edit those before the show and kind of all decide on an arrangement and how it's going to sound, and then play it back during the show. Now, the things that are more improvisational during the show can be things like vocal effects, keyboard sounds, drum sounds, that kind of thing, different people on stage triggering different sounds. That could be a bit more improvisational or like when the artist um, is singing, sometimes artists like to do like looping or improv stuff in the moment. And that could be a, a little bit deviating from the norm, but most everything is like a little, is pre-planned, um, hopefully. There's some artists that I've worked with that don't like to pre-plan much so that's a whole other story but <laughs> i am that that's something that's interesting to me because i've i kind of growing up fell into going to see a lot of jam band type stuff and to me like that would be a project where they'd be like no we don't really know where the song is going to go so we just kind of need you to hold on and, and be there with us as as we kind of make new music that may have never been made before if we wouldn't play this for 20 minutes right 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 yeah and i guess that's the difference between you know a jam band and um pop and hip hop and the, the music that I the kinds of artists that I generally have worked with. Um, but I think there's a place for music playback or live show design for jam bands as well, because, you know, especially when you get to a, a certain level, the band probably wants to all be in a click. They want to hear 
um, be all staying in time with one another at a certain point. Maybe there's lighting and projections that need to be synced. So that's part of my job as well is to make sure that all of that's synced up by sending out something called time code to the lighting and video people. So, you know, it just really depends. I mean, some bands are really just, um, you know, just like to play and they don't care about a click and they don't care about um, playing to a timeline and that's great. And then yeah. uh, fancier shows nowadays, you go to a show and the chorus comes in or whatever and the, the video is the same every night and that has to be synced up and that comes from my system essentially. Wow, okay. So it gets, the, it gets me thinking about what is the most creatively challenging show design project that you've taken on thus far? Because you've worked with some pretty amazing people. Probably uh, when I worked with Herbie Hancock, um, I worked with Herbie a few years back and, you know, he was doing a solo electronic show. And, and of course, he's an amazing musician. And, yeah. Uh, so I got to work with him in his studio every day and we like meditated together and he took me to his <laughs> meditation group and just, you know, we became really close and that was, that was fun. But, you know, he's been doing this for so long and his ideas are so innovative and out there. And also, you know, he didn't come from playing to like a click or playing to a specific time as a lot of people now, you know, he's just more free form. So like yeah. harnessing that and, and, and kind of making it conform to more of a grid so that he could, could do things like live looping um, was really fascinating for me. And uh, like just looking at certain songs like rocket and I was like, what tempo is this? And he was like, well, it wasn't recorded, you know, to a specific tempo. I was like, wow, <laughs> like it sounds like it was, there's like a drum machine, but it's, you know, it's not. So yeah, that was just really cool. It just really stretched me creatively because he was like, what about this? And what if, what if I had, you know, uh, an instrument here, but then I also had a, like a wireless guitar over here. And, hmm. you know, he was just like pushing the boundaries of what we could achieve. And that was super fun. Okay. So that's it. Do you like that? Do you like that aspect of like being challenged like that to keep on pushing yourself? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I live for. You know, if my brain isn't hurting, I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> okay. So getting the challenge and then being like challenge accepted. Now, I don't know how to get from A to B right now, but that's the fun is figuring it out. Totally. I mean, I've definitely been thrown some crazy challenging scenarios uh, and, you know, gotten through them all, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. I mean, you've got, you've, you've been doing it a long time. And from what I can tell, so is, am I right when I say that you have the distinction of being or had the distinction of being the world's first Ableton certified trainer? Yeah. 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 I do. I have that. Yeah. Amazing. Had okay. and have. Yeah. Both. So, so this yeah. is a word and a term that I've heard, but I haven't really dove into and tried to figure out exactly what it is. So what is Ableton technology and then how did you become a master of it? So uh, have you heard of Pro Tools? Oh yeah. Okay, so Ableton Live is a software program similar to Pro Tools or Logic, um, but it's made specifically for live performance and it's really the only software out there for live performance and people use it because it's really versatile. Um, you can trigger different clips and loop things and kind of be uh, jam with it a bit more, I like to say, uh, whereas Pro Tools is a really great software program for recording in the studio, recording yeah. mixed bands, that kind of thing. So people have used Pro Tools in the past for live performance, but a lot of people have, you know, especially more recent years have been moving over to using Ableton Live. Uh, so I, when I 
moved to LA in 2005, got a job at this company called M Audio. You might be familiar to you. They make like speakers and keyboards and MIDI yeah. controllers, all that kind of stuff. And they were distributing Ableton at the time. And I ended up working at Ableton a few years later and um, becoming the first West Coast product specialist for them. And then the first Ableton certified trainer. And so that was uh, in 2008. And then that just was kind of before it was really, really popular. It was like right at this time where people were like, well, Pro Tools is industry standard. You know, I don't know about this Ableton program. It seems kind of, you know, amateur hour. And as it kind of started to gain traction and become more robust, uh, people started catching on like, wow, this is a, a rock solid application. This is great software. Um, so as the pop the, the software became more popular the demand for its use in live performances became more popular and that's kind of how i got to start working on all these shows plus at the time there weren't a lot of experts in it so is it like a technology that came into your world when you were working for sorry was it m, m audio mm -hmm. m audio and you just hadn't heard of it it came into the came into your world and you just started tinkering around and over time <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So I was doing tech support at M audio. And so I would be on the other end of the, the line where people would call or email and say, I have this mini keyboard and it's not working. <laughs> and, you know, I'd be like, well, uh, have you tried the O N O F F switch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just funny, the funniest things. I mean, we had, we had a blast just talking to people cause like nine times out of 10, it was just like user error as we'd say. But, um, you know, people would call and say, hey, I got this program called Ablatron, they would call it. And they're like, what is this thing? And, and, uh, and I just was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I should figure out how to use this. And so yeah. once I started using it, I just fell in love with it. I just I started using it for my own live performances and just kind of built from there. I just really fell in love with the program. Okay, amazing. So yeah. I guess being that you were such an early user of it, when it started to grow, as you said, and develop and, and get better and kind of knock the rust off of it in terms of being more applicable, do you get some input? Do they come to someone like you to be like, what can we do to improve the next version and that kind of thing? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I still have a really great working relationship with them and, you know, get privy to all the, the pre-releases and things like that. So um, I'm always like, sending suggestions. They don't always incorporate everything that I want, but <laughs> all we can do is try. I know exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a great company. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I find that I found really interesting, just kind of preparing to talk to you, is that you, you, it seems to me you like to tinker. I look behind you here. You've got MIDI keyboards. You've got so many different things going on, and you just like to be a essentially like someone and it seems to me that like it's a lot of technology behind you but you're a classically trained violinist yes. and so how to how does that experience being classically trained in the violin impact your life as a show designer and then this was a new word to me controllerist mm -hmm. yeah so uh, you know it really goes hand in hand like w i mentioned working with herbie so um I showed Herbie, hey, this is how I perform my set. This is what I do with my violin. And we said, okay, like, let's um, adapt this. And like some of the ideas that I, things that I do on stage, he was like, that's interesting to me. I want to do that too. So literally like everything that I'm developing for myself, uh, I bring into a situation with another artist. And it's different for every artist. Like 
for instance, you know, I toured with Kanye for many years, like Kanye's not messing around with synths and controllers on stage. He's rapping, you know, he doesn't really, he's not like a Herbie who really wants to mess around with the stuff and, you know, be innovative and whatnot. So it just, it really depends on the the artists and, and kind of what their skill sets are. But yeah, so uh, a controllerist is a person that rocks a MIDI controller. And uh, yeah, I've got I've got a lot of MIDI controllers, um, but especially over the past, you know, I don't know, 10 years or so, it's become uh, very, very popular for people to be able to trigger their own sounds and manipulate their own vocal effects. And I actually have a program called Transmute, which goes over how to do all this stuff. And it's been a a passion of mine to help independent artists as well uh, to learn how to use technology because I just realized that, you know, all these big artists can't afford to hire someone like me to be on tour, but who's helping all the independent artists with their craft. And, you know, there's, they're only a one person show. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, that was exciting to me. So yeah, everything controllerism, I nerd out on just everything, new technology I nerd out on. It's super fun. We kind of share that a little bit. I do it with different things. Like um, I'm super into like cameras and lenses oh. and all sorts of stuff like that. Cause I've been doing a bunch of videography and stuff recently. And I'm, I, it's oh. just, it's one of those slippery slopes. You could sit there and spend 10 grand on lenses and cameras in a night yep. without even blinking. You totally could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like a really, so, okay. I'm glad you brought up the whole Kanye thing. Cause one of the things that what I found amazing is that a song that um, I've loved for a long time made in America, you happen to be playing violin. Up. To my grandma for that banana, putting our piece of Americana. Our apple pie was supplied through arm and hammer straight out the kitchen. Don't wake Nana build the Republic still stands i'm trying to lead a nation and lead my little man's on my daughter so i'm boiling this water the scales was lopsided i'm just restoring order hold up here comes grandma what's up yaya what's that smell oh i'm just boiling some agua no papa yeah 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 yeah, totally and so i gotta ask what were the series of events that led to that and how did you work violin into a a great track and, and song like that Mm. Well, so I, I started touring with him in 2011 um, as his uh, playback engineer and live vocal effects person. So I was doing all of his auto tune and I was manipulating his vocals live. So I would do like delays and pitch shifting and, you know, just different effects live uh, during his shows, as well as edit all the tracks and get the tracks together for the shows. Hmm. So that was like Hmm. my primary job and then you know one of the first shows that i did actually was coachella in 2011 and um i had heard the song ham by kanye and jay-z watch the throne it was like had just come out and their new project had just come out and uh so i did some string arrangements for it i just kind of made some stuff and like gave it to them and i said hey made some stuff and um they ended up using it for the intro of that whole tour uh which is pre-watch the throne but it was the dark fantasy tour which was the coachella started with coachella of that year and then uh when watch the throne came around which was later that year uh so we went on tour again this time with jay-z so i did all of kanye's and jay-z's songs the whole tour which was 
really long. Sometimes they play, played the song Paris up to 13 times. I don't oh, know wow. if you know about that. Yeah, they played the same song for like up to an hour long. Anyway, so so they tapped me to play violin on uh, that that song, the Made in America song. So that's kind of how that happened. And then I, you know, of course, continued on touring with him for many years after that. But yeah, so it just did a combination of um, violin stuff and then the live show stuff. Okay. Did you do um composing and putting string arrangements like that together was that something that was part of your classical training or was that something that you also got like challenged to do and then were like all right i guess i'll figure this out i did uh when i first moved to la in 2004 uh, i went to film scoring uh school it was at ucla extensions it was basically an extension of UCLA. Yeah, okay. And so I did have a little training and I did go to music school and violin performance and that kind of thing. Uh, so I was trained in it. I mean, it wasn't, hasn't been my main thing, but I do do it. And so it kind of came in handy there. <laughs> Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport-and-use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel... Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So if you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high quality sound, Check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. Okay, so your violin playing is very prominent on the EP that you released called Enoughness. I really like that. I think everyone could kind of relate to that word right now. Um, And these songs, I I was sitting there writing my outline, having a cup of coffee this morning and put on this EP and they're just big. They're textured. There's lots of layers. They have a really epic feel to them. So how did this project come together? 
Well, um, the last year, I think for everyone has been a year and a half has been wild. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I took it as a time for extreme self exploration and healing. And, uh, you know, I live alone, I was alone most of the year. And so the first part, I just kind of wasn't feeling like creating and I was just, you know, what is going on in the world and just trying to like, keep my head above water. Um, and then something started to shift. I was like, okay, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I saw things were getting better. I, I had just done a lot of processing um, and a lot of healing in myself. And that's when the music started to flow. And um, so I really created the EP as um, healing music for myself and hopefully other people if they resonate with it and about um, how we're, almost trained to not feel like we're enough from an early age. I mean, a lot of us, I feel like um, it's, it's in our subconscious, you know, that we're not good enough. We're not, you know, this enough. It's like, so I made it my mission to start undoing all of this, uh, these stories and these tapes that I've been playing in my head for all these years. And, you know, I've been working on that for several years now, but really in earnest over the past year. And, so that's how I started to create the music. And I, and I just wanted to speak from my heart and um, to create music that reminds me about the place that I was in over the past year. And then reminds me of all of the, the work and growth, growth and healing that I've done to get to where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, it, it, I think it's really good. And I encourage anyone will, we'll, there'll be a little bit of a sample of it played throughout this. And I, I hope that people will hear it and go and listen to it. Cause I found it to just be really, I don't know. It just made it made my morning nice and bright and felt good. So good work on that. Thank you. Um, so you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but you've got an, a pretty incredible tale of recovery in a way because you kind of hit a roadblock a few years ago of wellness, seemingly without thinking of a better word. Um, but you've transformed that into something very positive it seems with something that's called the transmute retreat. And I'm sure I'd, I'd love for you to just kind of share the story. You can probably tell it better than I can, but um, tell me about, you know, what happened with your, I think it was in 2016 where you were just crisscrossing the country and eventually just pretty much had a collapse it seems. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then how that led to transmute retreat and then why obviously this is so important to you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 2016, I remember I, I did three shows with three artists in a span of a couple of days. I was, you know, did a show in San Francisco. Uh, I flew to New York and did a show with Kanye at Madison Square Garden. The very next night I did a show with uh, Miguel in LA and it was just like, bam, bam, bam. And so then I got, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm so yeah. sorry. Is that normal for what you've been doing? I mean, is that just like a normal Thursday to Saturday stint? <laughs> at times this was a, a very special especially crazy week okay. um of you know usually like if an artist is on tour it's just you know working with that artist right and um it's you know it's crazy but it's just kind of like groundhog day every day you're kind of doing the same thing every day but yeah when artists are doing like what we call one-offs, which is they're not in a tour cycle, they aren't in an album cycle, they'll get invited to do a show here and it's like a lot of money. So you wanna 
they take it and then they got to assemble their team and sometimes their team might not be available. And so it's, you know, it's kind of a lot. And, um, anyway, yeah, it was, it was, it was hectic. Um, and then after I remember coming back to LA and going out with some friends and, you know, just wanted to blow off some steam and, uh, we all went out and I just remember like, just, eating and drinking a lot of different stuff that night. I don't know what it was. I think it was this, uh, raw egg drink that I had. I don't know. Okay. It, like <laughs> if anyone ever offers you a raw egg drink, do not take it. You got it. Um, yeah, but yeah, so, uh, it was a, you know, special co- you know, cocktail thing, whatever. Uh, artisanal cocktail. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, anything that to make it seem different than anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So yeah, the next day I woke up and my stomach was hurting and just I was started to be in a lot of pain. And then I ended up going to the hospital and kind of was in and out of the hospital for a while and uh, ended up being total in the hospital for 21 days. And it was like, really, it was an awful time for me because I didn't you know, the doctors didn't know what was wrong. They couldn't really put their finger on it. They're like, you ate or drank something that, you know, really shut down your intestines. And, um, so, but I, it was just awful. So I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't even drink any water for all this time and, uh, just became really weak. And I was just really despondent and really depressed. And then for months after that, I was still weak and just like not happy. And I knew that, something had to change. And I knew that that was like life's way of saying, Hey, uh, let's take a look at the way that you're living your life and your lifestyle and let's change this, you know? Uh, so I did. Um, and I got really, uh, into my health and wellness journey and, um, started treating myself better and started doing, uh, more productive things like meditating rather than partying. And, (laughs) uh, yeah, decided to create the transmute retreat. Um, as a way for artists to uh, explore their own self uh, growth and healing and self care, as well as learn things like Ableton and live performance and playback stuff. Okay, and, so it's a combination of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a combination of those things. And then that morphed into uh, the Transmute Accelerator, which is my online course uh, for artists to learn how to design their own live shows. So, all the work that I've done with like the Herbies and you know, all these different artists, uh, I translated that into an online course. So people can, uh, just take all the 20 years of knowledge that I've gained. And, um, I distill it out down into an eight week course. And so that's, that's super fun. And yeah, that morphed into the Transmute Academy. So I have like a a whole (laughs) online platform now and it's, it's all, uh, you know, brings together my love of music and technology and health and wellness and, self-actualization essentially into one place so yeah it seems like you have a strong passion for sharing the knowledge that you have where i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people would just be content being busy enough doing the work themselves and and keeping that on your plate but i guess the question that i came up with was when that happened and those health issues came upon you was it this realization like i should think about doing some things in a different way because what i've been doing it doesn't seem to be long-term sustainable. Absolutely. Yeah. It was like, um, 
why am I, why am I living life like this? You know, why am I saying yes to everything and not yes to myself? I, I, I took a, a big step back from working with all the artists that I, that I was. And, you know, I enjoyed that work, but I also really enjoy my own personal work and my music and transmute and kind of creating um, something outside of that. I was also really burned out from touring. I'd been doing it for many years and, you know, hadn't been uh, at home in LA that much. And really my friends never called me anymore because they just yeah. assumed I was out of town. And, you know, it's just the typical musician touring kind of lifestyle. And so, um, yeah, it was it was just a, a, a catalyst for me to take a deeper look at what I really truly wanted and just to realign myself in that path. Seems like it's easy to get wrapped up in that because when it's happening, and you're younger, it's, you're, it's all fast. It's just so exciting. Yeah. You're like, I can't believe I've, I'm out on the road and hanging out with these people and doing these types of things. But yeah, I mean, you kind of, you either hit a point of exhaustion or just a mental realization of like, I got to stop at some point. Like I got to take a breather. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm 42 now as I started, you know, five years ago. Yeah. I was 37 and just you know as i started approaching my 40s i'm like okay i've been touring for the last 10 years mostly like it's been great um but i really want to like have roots and kind of be in one place and be able to get up every day and do the same thing and you know obviously the last year that was a forced thing for <laughs> a lot of us <laughs> but uh you know it was just uh it was a it was a nice change of pace i think and i always think that like if you don't make the choices uh, life kind of makes them for you you know whenever you need to take a look at something well oh this situation comes in and kind of forces you to take a look at it yeah are you are you itching at all after this year of solitude to get back out and do some of the stuff that you've done before yeah <laughs> i actually am i'm i i actually have like a two-month trip planned coming up it's not working with artists but uh it's for my own music and I'm playing, doing some music projects with people in different cities and going down to Costa Rica for a bit and playing some music down there. And yeah, so I'm excited. So and I want to end with this now because this was new to me. You've got this green screen behind you. You've been doing some live stuff. Do you want to just talk about that a little bit? Is that something that you're doing yeah. somewhat often where we can come and see you sometime? Sure. Yeah. So, um, at the Transmute Academy, uh, it's actually free to join for anyone who wants to um, jump into some of my my work um, on the Ableton side and learn about designing live shows and programming live shows. We've got a bunch of free courses in there. And um, we just yesterday had our Transmute Festival. And so it's an online festival where all the artists in my program perform and show what they've learned. And so we do that periodically throughout the year. And then I'm always performing on my Instagram and YouTube and, you know, different festivals. And then hopefully again in person sometime soon as well. <laughs> yeah, I really hope so. I'm, I'm itching to get out and see some live music. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, well, Laura Scude, thank you so much for giving me some of your time and, um, and, and just helping me appreciate some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes at all these amazing shows that I've seen in my life, because I think that that goes somewhat thankless from the crowd maybe the people that are closer in producing everything are are thankful towards you at least i hope so but the crowd doesn't necessarily know that you're back there just grinding crisscrossing right. the country so thank you yeah yeah thanks
thanks for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is really important. And it also, I, I just like to inspire folks who are music producers or make music that they don't know that this is even a job and this is something they can do. And um, I think it's really fun for musicians to get into it that like the live atmosphere. So, yeah, no, I yeah. think it's a really cool thing and it educated me on it and I'll be, you know, I, I'll be trying to figure out who's doing all that the next time I go to a bigger show. <laughs> and thank you. I, I just really appreciate your time and I hope you have a good weekend. Yes. Thanks so much. Take care. Well, a big, big thank you to Laura for coming on and talking to us about all of that today. What an interesting life. And I just love learning about these different aspects of the music industry. I really hope that you do too. As always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Have a great day. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target's red card, debit card, you'll save 5% every Target trip on top of everyday low prices in-store and online. Debit red card links from your existing bank account. Visit Target.com slash red card to get all the details. Restrictions apply. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.